from Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live. You are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And here's your host, John Brown. All right, y'all, bring it in. It is time for the Best in the World Sports Report. What is going on? My name is John Brown alongside my tag team partner, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Mm -hmm. Feeling good. Well, feeling better. Feeling better. Yeah, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> better. That, yes. Feeling better. Definitely feeling better because we got a dub on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Went out and took care of business because, quite frankly, had the Eagles gone out there and stunk up the joint and lost on Sunday, the whole tone of this show completely different would have been a whole lot worse. Now, if I lost to the Giants, I might not have shown up tonight. Oh, really? You would have been that mad? Yeah. Now, would you have jumped off the bridge? Was that no. why you wouldn't oh, be no. here? Mm-mm. But you would have been pissed off, though. You wouldn't have wanted to. I don't like using that type of language on the radio. Pissed off? No, I'm t- oh. I'm, no I mean the language that I would have used oh. had I came in oh. after an oh. Eagles <laughs> loss to the Giants. Oh, no, I understand. I, I, I know we're internet radio. Yes. The FCC would have still been involved. Still- <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand. Now, since they won, Sunday was a good day. To beat up on New York mm-hmm. because that was a good. By the end of the day, I'm over there asking New York people, how come New York teams can't hold a fourth quarter lead against Philly? Because the Giants <laughs> had a fourth quarter lead. Mm-hmm. They lost that and lost the game. The Nets had the a fourth Nets quarter had lead. a fourth quarter lead. Lost that and lost the game. So I was feeling real good, and I was just well. I was talking trash to a lot of New York people, even though I don't know a lot of New York people who like the Nets. That's true. I'm sure the Nets have a fan base. Yeah, but they don't have a long enough history in Brooklyn yeah. yet to really have a real true yeah. grassroots fan base yet. No, no you're, you're you're right about that. You're you are absolutely right about that. And it's like now, you know, it's like they're they're a team in crux. You know, they're 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 in transition because the New Jersey people feel betrayed because they left New Jersey, mm-hmm. and there were New York. There were a few New Yorkers who liked the Nets. But they've always been the Nets. Exactly. So it's like, it's almost like, like I know a ton of Giants fans. I know a maybe a handful of Jets fans. Now, the only thing that's more comparable, I know a lot of Yankees fans, and I know a lot of Mets fans. Yeah, there are a lot of both. Yeah, there are a lot of both. But as far as New York goes, it's Giants, Knicks, you know, th- th- those mm-hmm. are the two. You know, I don't know a lot of Jets and Nets fans. But nonetheless, Sunday was a good day to beat up on New York. And we are going to talk more right now about that win in New York. It was a good game. Well, it was a good game in the sense that we won. You keep saying that word. Well, like, good. Yeah. I, I, I'm using it loosely. And I, okay. I appreciate you being here to... Kind of, you know, to to be that voice. We want to scale it back a little bit. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> it was good in the sense that we won, and that's it. Because honestly, like you said, we would have been pissed. We would have been pissed off. And I feel like now that once again puts us in a situation for some get right. Okay, sitting here at five and six. I, th- there's something I want to say. Go ahead. On air before we continue. Okay. Take a deep breath. Oh, boy. 
Yo, you're really serious about that. I'm, I'm looking at your face. Like, like for real. I'm, John. What's up, man? Mr. John Brown. What's going on, man? Host of the Best in the World Sports Cast. That is me. Best in the World Sports Report. At BITW Sports. You, yes. sir. Yes. We're right. Whoa. whoa, whoa. I have uh, to say uh, this. You, sir, were right. Oh, my God. And anybody who's <laughs> following the Twitter feed, Jonesy underscore LJR yes. or BITW Sports, yes. you, you may have seen this, mm-hmm. but I had to issue a, a public statement letting John know he was right. Okay. That's not something I like to say very often. I understand. You should say it more often, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. I'll, I'll say it when it's true. I, I, I still hope you say it more, but still. <laughs> you, sir, were right. How so? I now hate Saquon Barkley. And I also hate the Giants for making me hate Saquon Barkley. Exa- I told you this was going to happen. It, it, uh, I, I like I, Saquon, or I used to. Yeah. I, I hate him now. Exactly. It, and I understand. Let me. Let me. Let's. Let's talk about this because I understand why you hate him, and I understand and, and the fact nine carries for ninety four yards. Yes, plus it was what four receptions or for forty some yards in the first half, two touchdowns total, one receiving, one rushing. I hate him. You should, and you should hate the you should hate the New York Giants for, for making dra- me for hate making, one of my yeah. favorite running backs exactly. ever coming out of college. Exactly. Exactly. I, like you, Michael, my friend, I, like you, cheered on Saquon Barkley for years at Penn State. Monster. He was great. He was the best college running back I've seen in my life. Okay. I agree. And I don't want to see someone who I have loved for so long, destroy my team two times a year. And I hate the New York Giants for putting me in that position. The Giants have put me in that position, and I will hate them for as long as Saquon Barkley is good and on that team. Correct. Now, if he goes to another team and he's washed by then, that will probably make me hate the Giants even more. That you now wasted his career. You wasted his career. Killing my team twice a year. That will make me hate the Giants even more. But right now, I hate the New York Giants. I'm glad that they lost. That's what makes it, because it's a team that I hate and I have hated for so long, that's what makes it a good win, even though there's nothing about the actual game and the actual way that game was played that makes it good. The only thing good about it is my team beat a team that I hate. Now the question now let's talk more about the game itself. Let me ask you, you know, the whole thing about Saquon and hating Saquon and hating the Giants and everything, that's fan-ish right there. And there's nothing wrong with that because we welcome fan-ish on that show. But now I need you to take your fan hat off for a brief second and put on the analytical hat and the objective sports commentator hat that you wear so well. And I want to ask you a question. All right. I'm listening. I would like your opinion. Okay. Did the Eagles win that game or did the Giants lose it? My opinion, the Eagles won a game that the Giants lost. 
Yes, I know that sounds like I'm 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 straddling the fence. But but let me explain. Okay, if you go will. ahead. Please, please do. Because my honest answer is that I think both sides contributed to it. Because and I say, well, I'll start with the Giants. Why I say it was a game the Giants lost. I just mentioned Saquon Barkley's performance in the first half, you, and then the second half, four touches for seven yards. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the fact that my dead cat from third grade was the Eagles' starting corner. <laughs> and I, see, here's the thing: you, I, I, I'm not a comedian, but I, I like to say funny and witty things <laughs> right there. And you laid that one right up for me, and I just, I, I just missed the lob completely <laughs> because that was that, that was funny. That was a good. One. <laughs> but but go ahead. But and. There was a dearth, if you will, of attempts to push the ball downfield to Odell Beckham. So you have these two stud talents, and you don't let the run carry you like it did in the first half. But when you go away from the run, it's not like you're trying to feed the ball to your stud receiver either. And your stud tight end, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was on the bench with his helmet off. So I that combination of factors is why I say the Giants did everything they could to to lose that game. Mm. Now the Eagles for their part did seem to find a renewed qu- commitment to the run. Yes. So that brought them back to a point where they had balance again. I believe it was 29 runs, 28 runs, 29 passes. Something like that. They actually, had, for a game this year, had offensive balance. Almost reminded me of last year where it happened a little earlier in the season, but the Eagles came out the first couple games not running the ball much at all, and then they made an adjustment. And when it clicked, run the ball, give it to our power runners up the gut, the team took off. Offensively, I'm sure part of it was because it was the Giants, but – I saw some of that from the second half, especially in the Eagles as well, where they showed a true commitment to keep continuing to run, even though they were behind on the scoreboard until the fourth quarter. So the Eagles did some things that they needed to do and did them well, but the Giants did some inexcusable things as well in that game. So if I have to pick one, because I know my initial answer, I was straddling the fence, but if I have to pick one, I'll say the Giants did more to lose that game than the Eagles did to win it. But the Eagles did do something to help themselves win that game. It wasn't just completely handed to them. So as a fan base, we have to move forward. Mm-hmm. That game, The Giants game is in the past. We have to look forward. We have to look towards the Redskins. Now, there are, there are a couple more things I want to talk about about this game. But first, let me ask you, do you feel like the Eagles did enough right to call it a start? I mean, you talk about there you talk about running the ball. Mm-hmm. Josh Adams 22 carries for 84 yards. Corey Clement 5 carries, but he got 45 yards. Mm-hmm. Probably And Josh Adams had a 50 plus yarder called back. Called back for uh for Brandon, a uh, hold on call on Brandon Brooks. Yes. So, given given that, I guess 
they got to play the Redskins now. And a Redskins team, that's reeling. And we'll talk more about the Redskins later on. I got a guess. Okay. Got a guess. You're going to you're, you're, you're gonna like this. I'm looking right. forward to it. All right. This is your first. Well, just to let people know, Mikel Ramos from Rolling with Ramos is on the show. She's been on the show a couple of times. She knows this stuff. She's down there. She's entrenched in the whole DMV. She knows the Ravens. She knows the, the Redskins. Okay. And she has a podcast of her own. She always calls in and talks Redskins with me. I always have her on. She's good. Uh, she's good. Uh, that should be fun then. Oh, the oh, people yeah. will enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. But Eagles running the ball. Running the ball more. Do you th- do you think, in your opinion, did they run the ball well enough to say, okay, when you line up against the Redskins, we need more. We need a healthy dose of Josh Adams. Could you see that happening? I could see that happening, but the reason I saw that happening isn't as I, or I should say, it, the reason I can see that happening is partially because of Josh Adams. But a large part of that was based on what I saw from the offensive line in that game versus the Giants. I saw Jason Peters looking athletic, coming all the way across from the left side to the right side of the formation. Jason Peters pulled on a, he, he, he pulled a couple of times. Coming all the way across the yes. line to make, a, to make good blocks. Mm-hmm. The, off, the offensive line, when they were getting off the ball, they seemed to – get in a rhythm when they could go forward and just hit defensive linemen and, and get some momentum going. And that in itself was encouraging to me. Now, granted, Josh Adams ran hard. He broke some tackles. He went through people. He was looking to finish his runs, and that was, was also impressive. I've been the one all year long saying we missed that aspect of having Miss a Daphne, power yeah, back Miss that Daphne we got from Garrett, Garrett Blunt, Blunt yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see that element of the game coming coming back. It was down the stretch, what was it, third and one or fourth and one, and we actually ran the ball. Yeah. It wasn't a toss to the outside or anything like that. It was no. power football, you know, good old school stuff that's tried and true. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a hundred like years because it works. Yes. My guys hit your guys, push them back, we move the ball. That's basic. I hear you. So, do do you see that? Do do you see that happening on Monday? I I need to see that. I want to see the the Philadelphia Eagles running the ball more on Monday night. I want to see more of Josh Adams. I I liked what I saw, and I think we will. Um, report reports at this point out of Novacare are that the Eagles' plans going forward are to use Josh Adams in more of a feature back role for the remainder of the year. And which is somewhat a deviation from what we have been seeing under Doug in his time here so far, which is largely running back by committee. So if they do decide they're going to feature Josh Adams, it's a good chance that we'll get a heavy dose of that power run game. Because while he does ha- run hard and have some speed, he's not the guy you just want to see running sweeps and tosses all game long. If you're featuring him, you're looking to play smash mouth football, at least in the run game. Okay. Now, you, you know this coach. You know this coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And I think, I guess, let me not get ahead of myself, but let me let me preface this, preface this by saying or asking you, 
do you think that this coaching staff tends to, I guess, outsmart itself sometimes? Sometimes. But truly what I see from the coaching staff is there's a reason. Okay, I'll put it this way. There's a reason Doug Peterson has earned a reputation as a player's coach. He trusts his personnel and, from what I see, tries to play to their strengths. Mm -hmm. Like, perfect example, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl comes over and says, Philly, Philly, Doug says, you want to? Okay, let's do it. He trusts his guys. I, I, I guess I say this. I say this to say, New York Giants right now are twenty six ranked defense against the rush. Okay, but I'm, okay, go, uh, I'm going know, somewhere. Uh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no. So, but the reason I say that is that uh, get, to get to the point when, for example, Doug's first year, Ryan Matthews was the running back. Mm -hmm. Doug didn't seem to trust him to run certain types of plays a lot. So you didn't see a lot of power run. You saw more stuff to the outside to try to take advantage of Matthew's speed and also keep him from taking too many of those massive hits going up the middle because he had seemed to have injury problems. When you gave him backs that were more physical and blunt and ajay, he seemed to have no problems trusting them with the ball and running it, where the Eagles led the league in rushing yards as a team. And – often ran straight up the middle. Now this year, Blunt gone, Sproles hurt, Ajayi hurt. Josh Adams is an undrafted free agent that you kind of have to get up to speed in the NFL, talented or not. Mm -hmm. It's not a situation that lends towards a coach having a lot of faith in the running game, especially early on in the year. To ask Adams has developed and the team has progressed. I do believe that Doug is the type of guy who is flexible enough to adjust the game plan going forward and incorporate the power run game more. One thing I've never seen from Doug is him being that other guy-like person who was inflexible and unwilling to adjust what he did based on his personnel. Can, can, I, can I say something? I, I, I hope I don't make you angry. Your inability to say the words Chip Kelly is hilarious <laughs> to me. All right? I understand, and I understand why. And you're not wrong in your reasoning. And you're not wrong in your your unwillingness to even utter the two words, those three <laughs> syllables, Chip Kelly. That, I mean... Honestly, I, I just find that hilarious. <laughs> but let me, I guess, I say all this mm -hmm. to ask you. I see on paper the eighth ranked, the eighth best rushing defense in the NFL in the Washington Redskins. Okay. So we have now established that this offense seems to flow better when we run the football. Correct. But we ran the football against the Giants, mm -hmm. who are the 26th ranked rushing defense. So I guess for me, what scares me, what worries me going into this game is Doug saying, hey, we yes, we had some success running the ball, but we had that success because we were playing the New York Giants who can't stop the rush. Washington can. So maybe we should try something different. That worries me. I'm asking you, does that worry you? 
No, for one reason. Okay. Well, spe- specifically against Washington, I think he'll have more opportunity to stick with the run, less pressure to deviate away from it, because I don't see Washington coming into this week being a threat to put up 30-plus points. Mm. You have two offensive linemen out. You're, both your starting guards are done for You've got Paul Robinson, you're the best receiver on the roster, gone. You've got who? It was the two guards, and yeah, Paul Robinson, both the best wide receiver, all missing from that offense. Oh yeah, that's who else I'm forgetting. Their starting quarterback also gone, and Colt McCoy is the backup who will be starting this. So there are some offensive challenges for this Redskins team that I think will make it easier for Doug to continue progressing with the, the running game. Whereas if you were playing the Rams this week or the Saints this week or something like that, where it would be more, more likely to be a high-scoring game, yeah, I'd be with you. Doug's probably going to go right back to being, to being Andy Jr., and throwing the ball around 50 times a game. So, given where we are now in the season, mm-hmm. given where we are now, I guess my question now is I want your opinion of the position that the Eagles are in. We are sitting here now where we could be seeing the Eagles on on the road to first place in this division. And I, and I and I am not saying this is not the time or the place to add full context into being in first place. I know the Eagles are not on the same level as the Rams. I know the Eagles are not on the same <laughs> level as the Saints. We're not saying that. But but nonetheless, the winner of the NFC East mm-hmm. goes still, to the playoffs and gets a home game. It gets a home game. And that's at this point, that's all I want. And honestly, though, if you look at the matchups and the standings in the NFC East, with the Redskins and Cowboys both being at six and five, and the Eagles right a game back at five and six, it is very possible that the Eagles could win this division at eight and eight. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And I'll lay out the scenario really quickly. You've got the Eagles at this point two and one in the division. Mm-hmm. You've got three division games left. You got the Cowboys. You've got the Redskins twice. You've already played the Cowboys once and the Giants twice. The Redskins and the Cowboys are two teams you play left that are other teams that are ahead of you. So if you beat the the Dallas and the Redskins twice, that's your eight wins. You assume you lose to the Texans and and the Rams. That's your eight losses. But that also leaves you at five and one in the division. The Redskins and the Cowboys both have some tough games coming up, which could also leave them finishing the year at 8-8. Eight and eight. But the Eagles will be the only one 5-1 and one in the division. So if there's a tie. All you, at this point, all you want to do is get there. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is get there and let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> this is still a team. This is still the defending Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. So they know for the, the for the most part, 
this is a team that knows what it takes to get there. Absolutely. So all you want to do is get there at this point. Yes, you know, it's like in the end you want to get there and you want this team to be able to put their hand in the dirt and play and just play football. You know, if they beat the Rams, so be it. If they beat the Saints, so be it. Just get there. Mm-hmm. Just line up. I want to see. I I want to see in the playoffs what Carson Wentz can do. Now let's talk about Carson Wentz for a little bit. <laughs> let's talk about. Let's it. talk about Carson Wentz. Hey, guess what he did on Sunday? He led a team from behind. We've been hearing that for. We've been hearing that type of chirping. For the last couple of weeks, I talked about it. Uh, last couple of shows, right. people call people saying, "Hey, man, Carson Wentz ain't lead, ain't leading this team from behind. Carson Wentz ain't clutch." Now, let's ask a question. Okay, ask. simply a question. Okay, is that something you think is not a fair criticism? And I say that looking strictly at the numbers, Carson Wentz twenty two and sixteen as a starter in his thirty eight career starts. But in those 16 losses, 13 of them were games where he trailed by eight points or more. And in those 22 wins, only one of them was a game in which he trailed by more than one touchdown at any point in the game. And that was this Sunday. So prior to this Sunday, Carson Wentz was a – well, I won't say this, but the argument could be made that Carson Wentz was a front runner rather than a clutch quarterback. Okay. If you're 0-13 when you trail by more than a touchdown, that's where that argument's coming from. I understand. I understand where the argument is coming from. And this mm-hmm. is where this is where my response comes from. Okay. Tell me Carson Wentz's record again. 22 and 16. What's that first number? 22. What was that second number? 16. What was that first number? 22 and 16. 22 and 16. 22 wins. Mm-hmm. 22 wins. 22 wins. Give me a quarterback that doesn't fall from behind over a quarterback that plays better from behind. I have a hard time telling, saying that a quarterback who wins more than he loses isn't clutch. Is Dak Prescott clutch? Just go to, I don't – okay, uh, I don't know. Because he's got the same amount of losses and more career wins as a starter than Carson. Okay. I'm asking. No, is he clutch? I, I'm just I, I these mean, are questions. Me, to, I'm playing me, devil's advocate right there. Uh, you know, I'm honestly I don't know. Let, let honestly let Dallas fans argue that. <laughs> All right, look, I don't I don't feel like arguing for Dak Prescott. But no, but nonetheless, but it's like if we were to have a if I were I I defend Carson Wentz because I am a Carson Wentz fan and I am an Eagles fan. So for me, if you're trying to tell me that my quarterback is not clutch, and he has nine more wins than he does losses. Oh, not nine. Excuse me, six more. Mm-hmm. If he has more wins than he has losses, then I'm saying yet yeah, that proves he's clutch. If Dak Prescott was my quarterback, and I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, oh my god, that just makes me shiver right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I, I almost threw up in my mouth just thinking about that. But if Dak Prescott was my quarterback, and if I actually had to defend Dak Prescott and somebody was telling me he's not clutch with more wins than he has losses, 
That would be that would be my argument. But I don't want to make that argument because I don't want to defend Dak Prescott. Okay. I don't. I, I don't even well, want. You know. I'm just. I'm looking at the um, list of act of quarterbacks currently in the NFL. Okay. And some win loss records. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo, eight and two, more wins than losses. Okay. Pat McHolmes, ten and two. Deshaun Watson, eleven and six. Drew Stanton, eleven and six. Mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon, thirteen and eleven. Teddy Bridgewater, seventeen and twelve. Jared Goff, twenty-one and thirteen. We just talked about Wentz. We just talked about Dak Prescott. Nick Foles, twenty-six and nineteen. Case Keenum, twenty-six and twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor, twenty-three and twenty-two. And of course, they're they're Mark Sanchez, forty-one and thirty-seven. Okay, more wins than losses. More wins than losses. That's those you give that to all of their fans. Let all of their fans <laughs> argue that argue that. I'm not here to defend Dak Prescott. Not here to defend Mark Sanchez. Not here to defend Tyrod Taylor. Not here to defend Drew Stanton. Not here to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm I'm not. But if their fans want to if somebody wants to attack them and attack those quarterbacks and say those quarterbacks are not clutch. I would def- I would direct all of their fans and to to those numbers that you just gave me. Because honestly, if you're a fan of I'm talking about Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that if you're trying to tell me that Carson Wentz is not clutch, I point to 22 wins that say he is. I say his 22 that's where I start. Okay. That's where my argument starts. And I'm I'm and please don't anyone listening think I'm talking bad about Carson. I I, I know you're not. I'm simply presenting the argument for the for the sake of argument's sake so that we can be clear about what you're saying. Yes. Now, based on what you're saying, then it would be hard then to say that there aren't a lot of guys that are clutch and then you look at guys like a Mark Sanchez who has a winning career record as a starter, and there's no one who would ever say Mark Sanchez is clutch. Well, I will say I will say this. I think the whole the whole argument about what is clutch and what is not is that's 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 fodder for people like for people like you and I. And and that's where I was going with this. Like, I mean, like the wins are a good place to start, like you said, but. We, there has to be something more to it than just the win-loss record. And as subjective as this is, you know, me being a person who likes to be objective, this is one of those things that's subjective where you kind of just have to sit back and look at use the eyeball test. Yeah. What are you seeing with your two eyes on the field Okay, that – is this a guy who's out there and looks like he's panicking and falling apart in the, at, down the stretch at close games? Mm-hmm. That's somebody I think is a choke. Mm-hmm. Or is there is this a guy who that actually seems like he's elevating his level in the down the stretch of, of close games? Mm-hmm. That's somebody who I think is clutch. And then I think there are a whole lot of guys that fall in between. They're not necessarily chokes, but they're not necessarily clutch either. Given what they're you, just guys. Given what you said, and honestly, and I think that's where, for me, where I I feel so I feel much more comfortable 
talking about Carson Wentz than the other names that you have is mm -hmm. because we've watched so many, we've watched Carson Wentz over the last three years. Now, granted, I will say I will say this that his game is perfect. He makes plenty of mistakes, and he makes specifically plenty. with ball security and fumbling. Ball security, fumbling, and sometimes and just you know just he, flat out bad reads. There are throws that he's made that he shouldn't have made. There are reads that he's uh, made that just so, that, that you happens. Sit there some, and you watch. And I'll you're see like, more of a missed throw than a bad read. I, I think I see both. I, 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 oh, you see both, mm -hmm. but a missed throw. I think more often than a bad read. Okay, but you do see some of both. No, no one's claiming he's perfect. Yeah, I absolutely but, do think he's a future but, star as a but quarterback. I, guess I, I feel, I feel more comfortable and confident in my take when I say that. Hey, those twenty-two wins shows me that Carson Wentz is clutch over his sixteen losses. So it's not so much the twenty-two wins as much as. You've watched 22 games that allow you to apply the eyeball test. Okay, I'm asking. No, it, no, no. So is it just a fact? Is it so? So for those out there listening, are are we saying well, it's I, I, I will, I will the 22 wins as a number, or watching those 22 games, you saw what you saw? You see where people are as fans now, mm -hmm. where people the, the the constant battle between the numbers and what you see. For me, I can easily say from watching Carson Wentz I think it's ridiculous to say he's not clutch however if you need numbers numbers say 22 wins 16 losses if you want to go off number if you want to say if for me yes I if you want to go off numbers I start with 22 wins and 16 losses 22 is more than 16 it is now if you want to you know, put numbers aside and say, "Hey, look at it." Okay, I'm looking at those 22 wins, and I'll even look at some. I'll even look at those 16 losses, mm -hmm. and say, "Hey, man, you know what? Those 16 losses weren't all on Carson." No, they weren't. So but from, in them, there were some bad. Yeah, moments oh yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I'm not. Tr I'm not trying to say Carson's perfect. <laughs> like there haven't been some points where you know you're scratch you're scratching your head, like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, look, if you need numbers, numbers start with 20. Any any conversation about Carson Wentz not being clutch based on numbers must start with 22 wins. That's what I'm saying. Now, you want to say, okay, it's more than just the numbers? Fine. Let's look at the numbers. Let's watch those games. Because my for me, the eyeball test tells me Carson Wentz is clutch. And if you want to start with the numbers, 22 wins says the whole notion that Carson Wentz ain't clutch is ridiculous. Now, all right. Now, if I'm going to give my honest opinion from the eyeball test specifically, nothing would ever cause me to say Carson Wentz is a choke. That being said, I can't I I can't say that in the, in the games in fourth quarters I've seen him elevate his game enough where I'd call him clutch either. I'd say he's a he's a consistently solid quarterback. I I didn't might I might not even might I I am very likely to almost definite in going as far as to say he's better than solid. He's a good quarterback consistently. Good, not great. On his way to great. Okay. Okay. Not great yet. 
fair enough, fair enough. That that wasn't a point of contention. No, nah. that that was a point of clarification, but not contention. Okay, very very good on his way to great quarterback, and that's not to say he'll never be clutch, mm-hmm. but just certain things, little subtleties in his game, mm-hmm. where I think you'll see him continue to develop, where eventually it won't be a question as to whether or not he's clutch. Okay, so real quick before uh, before we uh, take a break and come back and talk a little bit more. But uh, in your opinion, real quick, give mm-hmm. me three quarterbacks who are clutch, in your opinion. Breeze, Brady, Rodgers. Okay, Breeze, Brady, and Rodgers. 39, 40-something. And old guys. Old They've been guys. doing it for a long, yes. long time. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. And Would I, you have called – first of all, Golly, what year was Rodgers in his career when he finally became the starter? Wasn't he in year three, maybe four? Four, I believe. Year four. So, mm-hmm. you know, so he start he 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 started his career in year he was, four. He was a mature court player when yeah. he got when he began as, as a starter. So to me, there. So to me, the fact that if even if you wanted to concede the point and say, hey, okay, or right, maybe Carson Wentz isn't clutch yet. Yeah, but that's that. That's what I was saying. Yeah. He he's very good on his way to great, and I could easily see him getting to a point where it's no question as to whether or not he is clutch. Got you. I, I, just, I just, and I think calling him a choke would be stupid. You're not watching the game; you yeah. can call him that. Yeah, exactly. See, we agree to disagree on your show. Mm-hmm. Well, here we can agree to agree. Well, we can uh, definitely we agree, agree to agree on All right, this. We, one. we we we. we Look, we, we're on the same page. We're definitely on the same page. So, look, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Mikel Ramos from Rolling with Ramos calls in, and we're going to talk Eagles, Redskins with her. We're going to talk a whole, whole bunch of stuff, and then when we come back, Mike's going to join me again, and we're going to talk little sixes on the best in the world. Sports Report, once again, tell us what you think of this podcast. Hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at any time, at B-I-T-W Sports. That is at B-I-T-W Sports. And just a reminder, you can catch this show in its entirety on phillygoflow.com every Saturday at 8 a.m. And again on Sunday, if you really, really can't sleep, 3.30 a.m. in the morning. All right? If you just can't sleep and you just want to hear me and Mike talk to you in the middle of the night, yes, that's weird. No, we won't judge you, but you can listen to us. All right? You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. You are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams. Go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. Looking for uncommon talent? Meet the grads of life. They're not the typical candidates you're used to, but they're exactly who your company needs. An ideal fit for entry-level positions, internships, and even mentorships. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn more. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on Best in the World Sports Report. What's going on? John Brown here with you guys talking Eagles, talking Redskins, because we are in get right mode. We took care of business against the Giants. Now on Monday night, 
we got to take care of business against the Redskins. So to get that, I had to bring in a guest who we've had on this show many of times, a good friend to the show, ladies and gentlemen, live and direct from Baltimore, but representing the Washington Redskins from the Rolling with Ramos podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Mikel Ramos. Mikel, how are you today? I'm good, John, my man, my friend, my ace, my fellow Morganite. What's yes, up? yes. You know, we, we, we share that love for our alma mater, Morgan State University. However, we we talk today representing two different teams, me, the hometown Philadelphia Eagles, and you, the Washington Redskins. The Red, it happens. It, it, it does happen. You know, it, it's still love. You know, it's still love, even though I hate your team, even though I hate the Redskins. Can't stand them. <laughs> it's, it's just how it is. But we got to have this conversation. And if I'm going to have a conversation about a team that I hate, I might as well bring in somebody who I love to talk to. And that is you. So let's get let's get started real quick. The news of the last couple of weeks has been the Redskins and their ability to bounce back after losing Alex Smith. Let me ask you, because you talk to a lot of fans and a lot of people in that area, how has losing Alex Smith affected fan optimism for this season? Because when he went down, the Redskins were in first place and it looked like the division was theirs to lose. Have people lost optimism? You know, it's funny because Alex Smith is no Aaron Rodgers. He is no, um, Tom Brady, but and um to a degree, you've kind of been very let down by Alex Smith. I don't know if it's John Gruden's play calling or what people expected to get when they got Alex Smith. You know, he's a check down guy. We just got the same guy twice, but kind of a better version, depending on the type of uh depending on the type of uh offense you give him. I mean, there is no disparity between Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith, period. But um, it's better to have Alex Smith than to not have him at all. I thought that John. I thought when he was in the lineup that John Gruden should have allowed him to use his arm a little bit more. I understand that John Gruden likes to run the ball a little bit better. Um, let's let's not let's not make any mistakes here about talking about the Washington Redskins. As much as I love them, and as much as I love being on the hot streak that we were on. Let's be real. The Washington Redskins are a team that nobody expects to ever do anything in every year. You know, I always tell people sticks and stones may break my bones, but words about my favorite team, words about my team won't hurt me. So there's nothing you can tell me about the Washington Redskins that I don't already know. Okay. And um, the what has been transpiring this season for the Washington Redskins has been nothing more or less than scraping by. A W and a dub is a W in the NFL, no matter how you get it and how, how you do it. And fortunately for the Washington Redskins, they have received W's that have propelled them in a division that they were expected to be at the bottom of the barrel of. And fortunately for them, the Philadelphia Eagles have had the Super Bowl hangover of most hangovers to have. The Dallas Cowboys have done what they have continuously done over the years and haven't mustered up to whatever America team thinks that they are because they aren't truly America's team. By that chance, they may not even be uh, Texas's uh, team because the Texans are on the eight-game winning streak and they can't even beat the team that was 25 minutes away from them. But that's one other story. And the and New York Giants haven't be, haven't done anything this year. So by default and by a masterful football god plan, it's 
great that the Washington Redskins are up at the top. Hey, I'm not complaining. Uh, it may sound like it, but I'm not complaining. Um, however, when Alex Smith ha- did go down, it did tear down a lot of thoughts about the Washington Redskins in, re- in regards to keeping up what has been going on. Um, and it's been very difficult. You've seen what's ha- what has happened and transpired in his absence. I'm not surprised that they lost in true primetime fashion during Thanksgiving because the Washington Redskins couldn't get respect if it was handed to them. They couldn't get a win in primetime if it was handed to them. You're supposed to win primetime games. It's a divisional game. And now, unfortunately for all of us, the Dallas Cowboys that I just talked about are now the messiahs of the NFL for being the three good teams. And now Amari Cooper was a decision that was supposed to be, that was the best decision that was made for, that was made for them. However, Amari Cooper wasn't, acquired until after a certain Washington Redskins game that they lost and now Jerry Jones had his panties up in a bunch. It's unfortunate that Alex Smith went down. I think it has been something that has been detrimental in our season. I do not think that it's something that the Washington Redskins will recover from. I don't know if they're even in the thick of this anymore. I think now you see a Dallas Cowboy team that has caught steam and is starting to believe in something that we don't even know if they're what they're believing in. And we don't even know what the rest of the division is going to be able to do. We know the Giants will stay where they stay, but eight and what, eight and four, what, an eight and nine record, maybe an eight and seven record wins maybe. this division yeah, nine, to the playoffs. Least, yeah, easily nine, nine and, and seven, seven wins this division. Nine yeah. and seven division wins this, wins yeah. this division. Um, the Redskins are sitting in a wild card position, so Carolina losing put that in a great situation. But now every game is important. And are we certain that Colt McCoy, can lead that train not to mention when you having adrian peterson which who knew that shout out to riggins because who knew that adrian peterson putting on a redskins jersey was going to reincarnate his career a lot of people saying that he was over and through with however having 35 yards is not what adrian peterson is supposed to have if he doesn't if he doesn't make 90 or more the washington redskins are useless in redskins and when he doesn't have 90 or more the washington redskins do not win so, okay, you don't put all your eggs in Colt McCoy's basket, but you also don't use Adrian Peterson to what you can use him to. And quiet as it's kept, Darius Geist going down is something that nobody has really talked about over the season because the Washington Redskins have been producing so much. Unfortunately, I don't know what will make of the Washington Redskins season, but it will not end how the season has been and how everybody in the faithful have wanted it to. And Reuben Foster doesn't help it, but... Well, we'll get we'll, we'll get the Reuben Foster in a second, but before we before we do that, you talked about Colt McCoy and the expectations for this season. Like, how confident are fans right now? How confident are fans in Colt McCoy, and how confident are you in Colt McCoy? Would you be confident in Colt McCoy? Hell no. Okay, then that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I am I I am better. Here, I will tell you this. And I can say this, I I say this in full confidence because I've said this on this show many of times. I was not always a Nick Foles believer. And there are way too many receipts to be shown for me to try and pretend otherwise. You know, it's like when you've said it enough times in, in enough different mediums and, and places, and I've said it. You know, I've said it on this podcast. I've said it on other shows. I've said it on Twitter. I, You know, I was never a believer in Nick Foles. But I will say this. If I had the choice, even when, even at the height of my Nick Foles hate and my Nick Foles, uh, you know, criticism, uh, 
when I've been down at my worst, you know, on Nick Foles, if I had the choice between Nick Foles and Colt McCoy, I'd take Nick Foles. So, yes, I was scared when we had Nick Foles last year, when the season was when the season had ended. Well, I shouldn't say when the season had ended. When Carson Wentz's season had ended and Nick Foles was in, I will admit that I was scared. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. But just because of the person Nick Foles had, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, what he did didn't surprise me. I didn't expect it, but I wasn't surprised because I just thought that Nick Foles is what Nick Foles is, is the type of guy who can and will rise in those types of situations. Not maybe not because of skill, maybe more because of fate or whatever. But I'm like, if there's somebody who is going to piece together a run and lead this team to a championship and, you know, an incomparable championship, it would be Nick Foles. And I guess now I'm asking, as we you know t- try and tie it into our discussion now, that I wonder, are there Washington fans who understand the magnitude of the situation? They understand that they've lost their starting quarterback and now they have a backup quarterback. But are there people who are saying, hey, you know what? We could do this. Hey, a backup quarterback won last year. We could win it all this year. Like, are there anyone in D.C.? in that fan base, in that area, who thinks that? I mean, the way you put it, if you put it that way, I, I guess it's one of those things where, hey, if nobody's expecting anything from you, there's only but up from here, you know? And hopefully Colt McCoy coming in and playing, and hopefully he plays well, he can he can denounce his own haters, you know? Even those of the Redskins faithful. Has he um, done it so far? Has he, has he been able to denounce any haters in the last couple of weeks? He would have done that beating Dallas. And, you know, the funny thing about it is coming into that Dallas game, everybody was saying, oh, if there's anybody that can handle Colt McCoy, that can handle the Dallas Cowboys, and anybody that they could, they would be afraid of would be Colt McCoy. Well, that did not happen. <laughs> oh, I understand. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, your coaching. Like, do, you, do people believe that Jay Gruden is the type of coach who could figure it out? <laughs> you, I, feel, you know, I feel like I, I can feel the angst on your face right now. I, feel, I, I, I can feel it through the phone. <laughs> like you, you're really look, you're, you're struggling I'm, to find the words to <laughs> articulate how you feel. I truly am because when it comes to when it comes to Jay Gruden, it's it's not even a touchy subject. It it's one of those things where he's been there for a moment. We do know that with every passing day, his job is still on the chopping block. We've been waiting. Excuse me. We've been waiting for Jay Gruden to, to, to propel this team further than he has already. We're looking for him to do something more than he is. I, I Jay Gruden's too conservative. He's, he's playing too much on, on, on the running game. He's had quarterbacks that can throw the ball. Kirk Cousins can statistically throw the ball and never really used him, optimized him to the best of his ability. I don't know what comes into his head the last two minutes of a game, which is also too conservatively played. You don't go for the wins. 
for for every John Rivera there is, is a Jay Gruden. And um, for that matter, he has not taken the Redskins to another level. I really don't honestly know what to make of Jay Gruden and, and, and how to master him and how to, to defend him as a fan because you want so much more about the Washington Redskins, but he is not the guy to open up the playbook to do that. I honestly don't know what he's doing. And when the Redskins were winning, I think he was winging it. Whatever was working was working for him. Mm. But you can tell that he does not have a concrete, definitive, <clears throat> like, title for this team. If When you think of the Ravens in the past, you thought of defense. When you think of, 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 of teams like Denver, you may think of their defense first. How do you really talk about the Washington Redskins? Mm. What definitively defines them? You don't have anything. And that starts from the coach down. And John Gr- Jay Gruden, excuse me, you can't you can't define him. So how can you define the team? I hear you. Well, look, let's switch the ball. Let's switch over to defense. You talked about you know teams defined by defense. Let's talk about your defense, and in particular, Josh Norman, who was very critical of DC fans. You and I talked about it publicly on uh, social media. But what exactly did what exactly did Josh Norman say? Well, he alluded to the fact unkindly as just that the Washington faithful, they they really they really aren't faithful. That they come to the games, they don't share, they don't do this. And if I could say so myself and be as politically correct to Josh Norman when I say this, shut up. Because what are you really talking about? Because you don't know pain until you've been a Washington Redskins fan. You want to you talk to me? You want to talk to people about what it truly means to be faithful in D.C.? You really have nothing to stand on because let's be real. You were brought to D.C. to do what you did in Carolina. We've still, we are still waiting for the real Josh Norman to show up, if he's even really shown up. Um, you get into altercations with Odell Beckham Jr. You become emotionally scarred by the game. You become burned by these wide receivers. I mean, let's go down the list, shall we? Guys like guys have totally burned you totally in every game to the point where you get into penalties because you start grabbing and you start pulling jerseys and you get outrun. So you mean to tell you, I don't know all the money that you've gotten. I don't know if you really totally lived up to all that money and you have the audacity to denounce the Redskin fan and say that we aren't supportive, yeah, okay. Oh man! So I know he's kind of walked back those comments. Has things gotten? He should have. And then talking about last week, how they um, putting out tweets about how the Redskins faithful have really come out and show out. Yeah, we came out and show out, and you lost Monday night. Where the hell were you? Thanksgiving. Oh man! So, so I guess. Things haven't necessarily gotten better between Norman and the fans since then. Like, have I mean, how has his relationship with the DC fan base been since he got there? I mean, that was a pretty big signing. Like, has like has it been tumultuous the whole time? It hasn't been tumultuous the whole time. It was a big signing. We were all expecting him to, especially for what he did in uh, Carolina. I mean, you're in a Jay Z song for God's sakes. You're doing great things, and um. We were expecting big things. He's a, a physical corner. 
one of the best corners in the NFL. But I mean, if you want my personal opinion, I don't. I, I feel that we've only seen Josh Norman be that guy in spurts. He hasn't truly lived up to that hype. If you ask me personally, he's still on my bad side. I don't know about everybody else. Oh man! So, given that, I mean, you honestly, for me and for the Eagles fans listening to the show, I have found you today to be very uh, refreshing, um, very... Uh, That's a lot coming from you. Well, look, you know, all people look to me to give smoke to these other teams and these other fan bases, but I brought you in kind of to bring the perspective of the team that we're playing. And all you've said has made me feel better about my team and the problems that we have. It, because here's the team that we're looking up at in you the standings. You know why? Because I'm honest and not delusional. I, I appreciate that honesty. I appreciate all the non-delusion that you have offered me. So given all of that, before I let you go, I want to know, I need to know two things. Number one, what do you think, what do the Skins need to do to get a W on Monday? What What would they need to do to beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football? Be present for four quarters. Offensively sound and defensively. I mean, this, this is not a game that you can, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles are not, are not shabby. And, and let me be, and let me be perfectly clear. Until somebody dethrones them, until we're hoisting up another Vince Lombardi, they are still the reigning Super Bowl champions. I don't know what – it's unfortunate to see what they've done this season because um, when they talk about Super Bowl hangover, oh, my gosh, with the same personnel, they uh, they have – the Philadelphia Eagles have definitely had a Super Bowl hangover. Mm-hmm. Not to mention I do also think that Carson Wentz is still acclimating himself into being back. So, it's. I mean, I don't think he – I don't think he was going to come straight in and be the guy that he was before he got hurt. So, I mean, that's going to take some time. I don't see the Philadelphia Eagles looking complete again until next year. Maybe next year is the year that they come back and they finally get the leader that they have there. Um, everybody looks like they're back in their spaces. And But I also don't understand the defense of the Philadelphia Eagles I, I, and, and how they've given away so much. They're in games where they've fallen behind early and they had to, they had to muster up so much to get into the game. Surprisingly, they played a Giants team that allowed them to get back in the game and not only win because they were down 19-14. Uh, um, so, and they were uh, they were down early on and then they were down 19-14 in the fourth. So you're talking about a team that has had to come from behind a lot of games. They're still trying to find the identity they are after being Super Bowl champs. Because let's be real, prior to this season, one paper, everybody said that the Eagles were going to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I, well, I guess, you know, that's why, as they say, that's why they play the games on grass and not on paper. You know, like, like you had a lot of players came back, but I think there were key players that they lost that I didn't, that people didn't think they would miss as much as they do now. Number one being LeGarrette Blunt. You know, this team just, this is a team that was buoyed by the run game. Of course, Doug Peterson wants to throw the ball. You know, a bunch of times, more times than not. But Legarrette Blunt was somebody who could pace the offense by running north and south, and they just don't have that anymore. Once they let Legarrette Blunt leave, and then once Jay Ajahi was lost for the season, you know this this run game is non-existent. You know, if you if I was if I were to ask you know people outside of Philly, 
if I, you know, like who the Eagles starting running backs are, they'd just be scratching their heads. People would not be able to identify Corey Clement and Josh Adams if they walked in a room with their jerseys on. You know, that's that, you know, that's just the, the truth of the matter. And then also, you know, like the issues that they have on defense, you know, right now they are two st- right now. I literally have to keep my phone open because the Eagles might call me and ask me to play DB for them because that is how far down on their depth chart they are. They are down their top five cornerbacks, you know, the 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 top five cornerbacks on their uh on their depth chart are now all on the injured list. They literally are taking people off the uh off the practice squad as soon as they get there. As soon as they arrive in camp, they say, "Hey man, how you feel about playing in the NFL on Sunday?" And they're just like, "All right, cool," you know. But you know, in in the end, it's, it's like you know, thank you to Pat Shermer because. Saquon Barkley was running all over the Eagles in the first half. And Pat Shermer was just like, hey, you know about this running game that we're having so much success with? Hey, let's just not do that anymore. So, you know, it, you know, thanks thanks for Pat. You know, I, I appreciate that. But, you know, just given, you know, that and now you have a Washington Redskins team that seems to be in – you know, in, in a little bit of disarray. We're it's, up against the ropes. So yeah, it's, a, it's an opportune time for the, the the Eagles to get another win. I'm not surprised if the Redskins lose because it is a primetime game and yes. our history in primetime doesn't reflect wins. Um, this will be an NFC East battle by no, and by all means it will implicate one of an NFC East battle and a divisional battle and two teams that want to that want to 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 win so i'm looking for it to be as advertised i don't know who's going to come up on top for god's sake i hope it's us however i'm not surprised if it isn't (laughs) so is that is so exactly what would be your prediction and that's that's and that's where we'll leave things what are your predictions your what do you think is going to happen redskins how i want it 17 14 17 14 redskins Yes. Oh boy. Well, we we will see. I will give my prediction at the end of the show. But as always, want to thank longtime friend of the show. Could quite possibly be the all-time leading guest apparent apparent parents and best hey. in the world sports report. My girl, my homie, my friend, Mikel Ramos from Rolling with Ramos. Thank you. As always, John, whenever you call, you know I'm here, brother. Call me. I got you. And you make sure that you check out Rolling with Ramos on Facebook. Make sure you download the podcast. Make sure you listen and check her out because her show is phenomenal. It is everything. It is my favorite podcast, not named Best in the World Sports Report. I, I will go. I will go that far. Of all the podcasts that don't have me on it and are not called Best in the World Sports Report, Rolling with Ramos is my favorite. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. We'll look. I'll take that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mikel. Thank you. All right. Well, look, we'll take a quick pause for the cause. Just a reminder. Tell us what you think about. Tell us what you think of today's show. I've been getting tongue tied all week. It's because all week I've been on phillygoflow.com, so I'm tongue-tied because all I do is talk. But anyway, tell us what you think of today's show. Hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at B-I-T-W Sports. We will talk more sports when we come right back on Best in the World Sports Report. 
You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. You are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams. Go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. My suit can still make an impression. And my lamp can bring others a bright future. Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on Best in the World Sports Report. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you to our previous guest, Mikael Ramos from Rolling with Ramos. Make sure you check that out. We've talked Eagles. We're going to talk Sixers in a little bit, but we have to talk Flyers right now. I have not talked Flyers on this show in a very long time, and that's primarily because the Flyers really haven't given me much to talk about. Used to talk about the Flyers all the time, especially when Tim was still in the area and we used to do Brothers Talking Pucks. A lot of people have expressed an interest in bringing Brothers Talking Pucks back, and that might happen. I need a better hockey team to talk about. I don't know if I can do Brothers Talking Pucks if the Brothers is talking about bad pucks, and that's all the Flyers have been giving me. But they have given me some news because this week, the Flyers fired their general manager, longtime Flyer Ron Hextall. They gave him the they gave him that KRS one con- concert, man. Brought him into the office and said, Hey man, do you ever think about when you out of here? They gave him that Craig Mack concert. Said, Hey man, you won't be around next year. Hextall is gone. So we need to talk about that. So when I need to talk about hockey, when I need to talk to pucks, I always bring in my, my homegirl. One of my good friends from Total Sports Live. I call her K-Cup. She hates that name. She begs me to call her by her real name. And that is Caitlin Hemsley from Total Sports Live. Caitlin, what's good? You know I hate that K-Cup nickname. I I know you hate that K-Cup name. And honestly, the fact that you hate the K-Cup name only makes me want to call you that more. Because your hatred for the name is really, really cute. And I love it. Yeah, okay. I, I, I know. Because I call you that name, and your nose kind of scrunches up as you get angry, and that's real cute. And I know. literally doing it right now. Yeah, yes, I know. Just, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I can feel it through the phone. Your nose is just all scrunched up. You're mad right now, and it's mm-hmm. kind of cute. And I know I'm wrong, but it's it's all out of love. Do you say so? <laughs> well, look, let's just jump right into it, all right? Flyers fired Ron Hextall. I have one question to start this thing off. What the hell happened? Mm, You want to take a look out out on the ice and you tell me what happened. This team has been so bad and it's about attendance. It's about the performance on the ice. 
it's a combination of the coaching and it's Hextall being really, really stubborn about making decisions. It's crazy. Like I've, you are not the only person who I've heard talk hockey in this area and bring up attendance. I heard about, you know, tickets being on sale for, you know, 80%, you know, off the face value. And there's one thing about the flyers that has always been said. And it's like, people will talk about how flyers fans will come out no matter what flyers fans are that dedicated to the team that no matter what they will come out. And honestly, for the past 10 years, at least that has always been the case. And that's not, I think that's similar to how it is in with the Eagles, but the Phillies aren't like that. Sixers aren't like that, especially the Sixers. When the six, when the Sixers were bad, nobody was coming. Like, like I've seen, there've been less than stellar Flyers teams in the last 10 years, but whenever there was a Flyers game, the Wells Fargo center was always sold out. That parking lot was always, was always filled. Now contrast that to the Sixers. There've been times I've been working at the Wells Fargo center on Sixers nights and I have left the arena during a game to go get something to eat, to go run an errand, to do something. And I've left the arena during the game and come back to the arena and my parking lot, my parking spot was still there. That's how empty the lot was on Sixers nights when they were really, really bad. Yeah. On Tuesday, on Tuesday night, I kid you not, for the first time in almost and. You know, I'll even say the first time ever that I've been around the Wells Fargo Center, I looked out in the parking lot during the Flyers game and saw empty spots. Yeah, it's a completely different change of pace. I I almost purchased, like, I don't usually go to a hockey game on a Tuesday night just by myself, but I almost went because the tickets were $10. $10 for Flyers tickets. The that's, parking that's passes crazy. for the Wells Fargo Center were more money than the actual ticket to the game. That's crazy. Like, I looked at prices, looked at the parking pass for the game and the ticket price for the game, and the parking pass was $6 more. That's saying something. That is saying something. I, I and, and it's crazy that it's fi- it's finally gotten to this point. The product is so bad that a change had to be made. Now, during the press conference when they announced when they talked about the decision to let Hextall go, Paul Holmgren said that firing Hextall was not brought up. I'm asking you, do you believe him when he says that? I actually do believe that he it was not brought up at the time because I don't think the firing of Hextall is why Hextall lost his job. Okay. A lot of people think, and for good reason, that Hextall is the reason that, that Hextall, not firing Hextall is the reason, but I think there is just so much other things going around that. Um, Hextall was the kind of guy who didn't, really take opinions from any other people. Mm. And he kind of just 
made it a one man, this is my decision. I'm going with this kind of thing and to preach patience, which worked with the farm system because the flyers farm system is incredible, but it doesn't, didn't work when it came to the actual performers on the ice. And he tried preaching a long game and it didn't work out in his favor. And so he ended up getting fired because he wouldn't go off of his plan. That being said, though, Hackstall could be a thing in it, but I don't think it was the main factor for why he got fired. Okay. Okay. Well, look, now that Hextall is gone, you know that eventually a new general manager is going to be named. Yes. Part of the reason why we're in this spot is because of the product that is currently on the ice. And the product is bad. That's got to fall on the coaches, right? I mean, there's no way that um, there's no way that Hackstall can survive this, right? He's got to go. I I mean, I agree with a lot of the fans that Hackstall does indeed need to go, but I've been saying that for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of, but not all of it is on the coach. As much as I hate to say it, a lot of it is on the players as well. But yes. I agree, Hackstall needs to go. Um, and I also think that it is going to come sooner rather than later. Mm. And because they are the Flyers, uh, the Flyers front office staff now, they're hunting for GM. They're not going to take a, short, a long amount of time to do this. They want to get a new guy in right away. And I think they have an idea of somebody who is a front runner okay. who doesn't who has, I think, a head coach in mind, or they're linking head coaches to him, uh, Joel Quenville, who is the yes. uh, who was the former Chicago Blackhawks coach, now not the form, not the coach, and could potentially be the Flyers' head coach if they get the GM that they're looking for. And so, Axel is really on the hot seat, but mm-hmm. I think it's not that decision's not going to come until around January or February. I think he'll make it through the end of this year. You think you think Hackstall finishes the year? I think Hackstall finishes twenty eighteen, but he's on thin thin ice going into twenty nineteen. Okay. Now, if Hackstall finishes the year, does Holmgren finish the year as GM, or you think that they'll still name a new GM, but that GM will let Hackstall stay? I think. Well, since November is ending and December is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh. I think that there's they're not going to find a GM, I don't think, before Christmas. Because mm-hmm. they're going to take some time, but not as much. So it's going to be like a medium pace that they're going at instead of like a slower, hey, let's take our time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to try to hurry it up and find their guy, but I I honestly think they're not going to find them before Christmas unless they really push the pace. Okay. So let me But who knows? They could find their GM by the end of the weekend. We'll see. This I mean this is a mess. And like when you look at the Flyers, you take a step back and you look at the Flyers. I look at this nucleus and I feel like this is the longest tenured nucleus of a team in this city. You know, this has been the nucleus. This has been the team that's been here the longest and the product is bad. 
you know, it, it stinks to the high heavens. Is it time to blow this team up? I don't think so. You don't. There think are a couple so. okay. players that no. I think there are a couple players that could get moved around, but no. A lot of the players, like you have some solid lines. There's like a few players that are a little out of sorts still and a little older. Mm-hmm. But Claude Drew is still having a pretty stellar season, even though the team is not great. Mm-hmm. Travis Konechny's been doing very well. Sean Couturier, uh, Scott Lawton. Uh, no, I'm, I'm shocked. You, I'm, coming I'm, back and I'm doing shocked you didn't better. say Couturier first, though. I'm, so, I'm shocked he wasn't. I, at the top I know of you're list. surprised I didn't say that's, Couturier. That's very, first, that's, but... that's very mature of you. I appreciate that. Ah, thanks. <laughs> we all know my love for Sean Couturier. Yes, yes we do. We, we we certainly do. We certainly. But do. yeah, I mean, there are some players that have been doing well, even though the the effort on the or the play on the ice hasn't been going their way. Uh, but there are some players that I think will end up getting traded by the end of, like, before the trade deadline starts, mm-hmm. which I cannot remember the date off the top of my head. Okay. But It ain't any time soon, though. You still got at least two months, so uh, close yeah. to three. So we got – Yeah, so I, we, I think they're, they're going to have to trade for a goalie because, mm-hmm. oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, this is bad. This is really bad. And <laughs> the I, Flyers are have started five goalies this season. Five, five goalies, of them. Five goalies, and all of them have been bad. And the thing is, I I can't be the only ignorant fan who thought that Ron Hextall coming in would be able. You know, one of the greatest goalies, if not you know, the greatest goalie. I'll, I'll put it to you, like, because I, I I I know, and I will admit that I'm I'm slightly older than you. But I'm too young to remember Bernie. So for me, okay. you know, the the greatest flyer goalie of my lifetime is Hextall. And here I am. Th- I can't be the only fan ignorant enough to think that, hey, you know what? This guy is going to be the guy who finds our guy. I can't be. I, I, I know I'm not the only one. And to see this team continue to struggle. We struggled before Hextall got here, and we're still struggling to find a goalie. I can't be Well, the Flyers had a goalie, but they traded him to Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. You look at that Columbus goalie, he's just like, boy, why can't we get guys like that? Well, he is a free agent soon, mm-hmm. so. We'll mess it up. He'll come here. We'll, and, we'll, we'll come here. We'll give him a boat. <laughs> I, I just know how this is going to turn out. We'll, we'll give him a boatload of money. He's going to come here, and then all of a sudden, suck. Yeah, we'll see. He's we'll been see. pretty solid for Columbus. Yes, he we'll has been. Yes, he has been. What he has been, what he does afterwards, but I have a feeling he won't go back to Columbus. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I think a lot of people are waiting to see Carter Hart be that goalie mm-hmm. problem is he's not ready no no not he's at all. struggling with the phantoms right now he's just not ready and, and it's mm-hmm. he shouldn't be forced to go into the nhl in his first year playing with the phantoms that's just not fair for no. him or anybody else he needs to stay in the ahl for a year and see how he does 
I, I guess. I, uh, for me, I would have more faith and I would be more willing to have patience if the current product weren't so bad. Because it's obvious that although the farm system is in great condition, you know, the farm system is in great shape, but it's not in great shape to contribute now. And that leaves you with a really bad product that I am not convinced will be good anytime soon. And that just adds to my level of frustration. That is fair. It's a it's a fair level of frustration. Exactly. Because the, the team has been so back and forth over the past Flux. three or four years where they, one year they miss the playoffs, another year they make it through the first round, and then they miss the playoffs. And it just goes back and forth like that. It Where they're like teetering on the edge of making the playoffs or not making the playoffs every mm. year. At some point, you're like, I'd rather this team just be real, real bad than have mm-hmm. to wait and see where they're, if they, whether or not they're going to end up in the playoffs again. It's, it's, are you saying that it's time for the Flyers to trust the process? I always think everyone should trust the process, but that's just me. <laughs> that's why you're awesome. Caitlin Hemsley from Total Sports Live. Thank you, my friend. Of course. All right. Look, ladies and gentlemen, that is Caitlin Hemsley from Total Sports Live. Always check her out, totalsportslive.com. I brought her mic down now so she can't verbally object to me calling her K-Cup. She hates the name, but I will continue to call her that name because I love that name. Anyway, look, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mike Jones is going to be back here. We're going to wrap things up with some Sixers talk on the Best in the World Sports Report. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. You are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams. Go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. Looking for uncommon talent? Meet the grads of life. They're not the typical candidates you're used to, but they're exactly who your company needs. An ideal fit for entry-level positions, internships, and even mentorships. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn more. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on the Best in the World Sports Report. John Brown, my tag team partner, Mike Jones. Back then, they didn't want me. Now, what about now? They all on me. Nice. Nice. Okay. You want to start putting your pager number out there like Mike Jones used to do? <laughs> no. Okay. Had a friend, real quick. Had a friend named Maynard. Shout out to Maynard down in Baltimore, who once came to work and told me that he called that number that Mike Jones used to put out. He, he's like, he just wanted to know what, what would happen. It so, was his number. It was his number. Yeah. And he said, one of his people just picked up the phone. He's, I said, I said, Maynard, what did you say when he picked up the phone? He was just like, yeah, I like your music. 
because he was so shocked and he was just like, yeah, 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 man, I think what you're doing is hot, man. I like your music. They were just like, yeah, man, thanks. And, and hung up on him. hung up on him. Anyway, John Brown, Mike Jones, best in the world. Um, look, we're having a good time. Just to let you know, because I respect Mike and I like Mike. And me and Mike talk a lot during the show. So given that, I don't want to talk at Mike and be in his face with bad breath. <laughs> so I keep a bowl of mints on the desk. And throughout the show, because we do two shows, we're in the bowl eating mints all day. Because I, I, if I'm going to yell and I'm going to talk, and this is something I've talked about before. You know, I'm, I'm an animated person, and, and I talk, and I get into it when, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm passionate about something. And I just don't want to be passionate in your face with tart breath. So I always keep these mints, and I just try to make sure. So you know, throughout well, the show, well, that's well, something you're going to hear. You're going to hear me sucking on a mint. Well, I'll give so you this, sure. though. You got mint for the breath, but I'd rather bad breath than you be a spit talker. Now, and I see, I don't know if anybody knows what I mean when I say a spit talker mm-hmm. or if you've ever met a spit talker. Yes. But the spit talkers are the se- people that seem to have 50% too much sl- saliva in their mouths at yes. all times. Yes. And no matter what words they're saying, that seems to be those pieces of spittle that come flying yeah. out with every other word. Yes. And they're going to be those random pieces that hit you if you get too close. Yeah. So at the start of every sentence, you got to be like, pause, take three steps back, mm-hmm. and then continue. <laughs> now, I, now, in 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 the name of fairness, and because the one thing that you have consistently asked of me, as we've worked together, you have asked for honesty. I will say, I am a spit talker. <laughs> I will admit it. And it's something that I have admitted publicly, especially around the time when Rondo and Chris Paul had gotten into that fight. Uh, And I have said that, you know what? Well, two things will come from this, but I'll get to that. But one thing I've said, you know what? In the heat of an argument, I have spit when I've talked. Mm -hmm. And I've had to throw hands because of that. You know, it is you know, it's years ago. I'm not that guy anymore, whatever. But yes, I have spit on somebody when I've argued with them. Now you and I, now we have argued, but I would never say we fought on this show. No. Like we, we like disagree. We, yeah, we strongly disagree. Civil disagreement. Yeah, yes, exactly. And that's why it, there hasn't been spit when we've talked. <laughs> because it's because none none of the things that we've said, although, you know, there have been times when we have fiercely disagree with one another absolutely it has never been out of a place of anger no it has like, not. like like we've like we'll we'll sit here and we'll do a show together and we'll talk but after every time we disagree what do we always do we shake hands oh, yeah. and we smile because it's all good now if we were like in a for real like fighting like we were like for real fighting about something there, there I, might be some. There spit might takes. be some spit takes. All right, that might happen. I can't promise. Now I try. I honestly, because I have spit on people, and honestly, like you said, you know, it, you can't take back spit. Once you spit on somebody, once it's you, out there, once it's, it's out, out there. there. You, you can't put toothpaste back in the tube, and you can't pull back spit. So usually, if you spit on somebody, you know, there's a good chance you're going to throw hands after that. Oh yeah. So here, so so for me, it's like I, 
in full honesty and being comfortable comfortable with myself, I am that person that will say, hey, you know what? If I'm arguing <laughs> with somebody and I'm angry, let me take three steps back because I don't need whatever I say to be worsened mm-hmm. or, or, or made worse by spitting on them. Because usually, I mean, honestly, if I'm in a conversation where it's gotten to the point where I'm just outwardly disrespecting somebody, <laughs> that's a conversation I don't need to be in to begin with. So I try to, you know, I try to yeah. avoid those conversations to begin with. Well, I'll give you credit. At least you're aware of it, and yeah. you know when it's time yeah. to create yeah. that space. Yeah, you know, it's like I see myself getting mad. Like before, it gets even worse because, it's like, <laughs> here's the thing: it's like if I'm so angry with you that I spit on you when I'm talking, I'm pretty angry to begin with. So if I've now made you that angry that you want to throw hands with me because I spit on you, more than likely (laughs) I was ready to throw hands to begin with. And I just needed a reason and I just accidentally gave you one. But now that you're there, Mm -hmm. let's be there together. You know, that's that's how I feel. Like I know we're getting off the rails, but I have to say I do have, I do know one guy who is o- who's not only a spit talker mm-hmm. but also a close talker. Mm-hmm. So like when the more engaged yeah. he gets in the conversation, yeah. the more he wants to limit the space between yes. you and really yes. get close yes. right in your face. Yes. And every other word it's a piece mm-hmm. of spit flying. Oh out. man. See, and here's the thing and we and it's mm. cool. See, see this, this is this is the thing. All right. <laughs> this is the thing because it's my show. I'll, I'll go as long as I want. I don't care. All right, I have no time restraints. But the thing about spit talking and, 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 and like me, you you know me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm 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 a tall dude, and I'm a big dude. You know, and not and not necessarily big and muscular. I, look, man, I like muffins. All right, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a person of large stature, and I've been told that I have a very menacing demeanor, mm-hmm. and I try to be accommodating to people. I try, I try to, I have a very nice face. I, I try to, I try to put my nice face forward okay. and be welcoming and be, you know, and try to be nice. But I'm somebody, and for me, part of that niceness goes into my anger in the sense that I want to be nice. So when I'm angry, you know that I'm angry. Okay. When you can say, all right, John is losing his temper, he must really be angry because he's somebody who's usually about the jokes and usually about laughing and usually lighthearted. And he's not like that right now. He's so. You know something's happening. Yeah, something's you know going something's on. on. So you know, it's like, look, when I'm angry, you know that I'm angry. And when I get angry, you know, I'm in your face, I'm talking loud, you know, because look, I'm, I'm 6'4. So I'm taller than a lot of people. So usually if I'm in somebody's face, there's a good chance they're shorter than me. So I'm standing over them and, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm yelling and I'm being demonstrative because I'm, all, you know, you see me in this show. You know, I'm, I'm somebody waving my hands. <laughs> I, I need my hands free when I do this show. I see a lot of people who do top podcasts and they hold the mic in their hands. I could never do that. If I held this mic in my hand, it'd be like this because I'm waving my hand all over <laughs> trying to talk to you. That's and, why I can use a mic stand. And for anyone listening, if the audio was going in and out just now, Mike, John actually had the mic in his hand, hand was waving yeah, it all around. Doing. This is what it would be like. This is how it would sound. I'd be sitting up here talking. You see how I'm loud right now because I got the mic right in my face? But then I'd be talking to you and I'd be doing this. 
waving <laughs> my hands around. But nonetheless, it's like, look, when I'm mad, that's what I do. I stand over you and I yell and, you know, I'm in your face and there's a good chance that I will spit. And I'm not worried if my breath stinks, but I'm, co- uh, I'm calm right now. I got a mint in my mouth. I'm not spitting. You know, I'm, 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 I'm managing things. And that's what I do because I am a spit talker. And I know the consequences that come with talking spit. <laughs> that being said, welcome to the best of the spit sports report. <laughs> I am John Brown. This is Mike Jones. What's again? Just reminded you guys, hey, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. Real quick, just wanted, before you wrap things up, just wanted to talk about the Sixers, man. Oh, Sixers man. look like a uh, big win for the Sixers on two, uh, Excuse me, Wednesday, beat the Knicks. I'll always oh. enjoy when they beat the Knicks. This has been a good. This has just they, been were a up, good they were up by 30 at one point in that yeah. game. It's a good week to just beat up on New York teams, all right? Oh, why not? Beat Brooklyn, beat, beat the Giants, yeah, beat, beat the Knicks. Yeah, who's next? If the Flyers could beat somebody, that'd be even better. Mm. But that's that's we gonna know, talk hockey one of these days because we gotta bring back brother. You know, I almost taught him almost doing hockey today because I got some stuff on my chest. I understand. Hey, look, but I might have got emotional talking. Shout about out, that shout right out there. to Kate, shout out to Caitlin, Caitlin Hem- Hemsley from Total Sports Live has been begging me to bring back brothers talking pucks. Let's do it. Okay, we, we got to do that. We we, we got to make that. Like, every time she sees me, she says, John, when are you bringing back Brothers Talking Pucks? When are you going to have me on the podcast? When are you going to have me in the studio with you guys talking hockey? And that's got to happen. Oh, we'll I'm, ma- I'm with it. Okay, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll talk hockey. But nonetheless, we're talking Sixers right now. You got to be pleased with what Jimmy Butler's been doing. Oh, absolutely. You, you Perfect that fit. right now. Perfect fit. That Perfect is, yeah. fit. Loving. Love what he's done. And I think... Something that kind of stood out to me was the conversation we had right after the trade. And I talked about teams playing like their best player. And you had intimated that coming into this team, coming into this season, coming right now, Jimmy Butler is probably is the best player on the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. But to me, at first I was I wasn't as receptive to that. When you said it, he's not the most talented, but he's the he's the best mm-hmm. at this point. But what what has happened is, and what I like about it is what I have said before: that teams play like their best player. Mm-hmm. And you see Jimmy Butler in games playing hard, Pl- you know, getting down. You know, it was. It's not just the game winning shot that he hit. He provides a level of intensity and fight. That uh, laid back Ben Simmons or uh, laughing, fun type of jovial Joel Embiid may not give you all the time. Jimmy Jimmy Butler comes with a little bite to him. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. But I guess to me, not just, it wasn't just. The game-winning shot that he hit. No, it's the intensity you see all game long. Yeah, but but what I'm saying, I guess where I'm going with it is more than just the shot. It was him getting down on the ground for loose ball, for the loose ball, and then you know out athlete, you know out jumping for that jump ball. It was getting down, getting Mm -hmm. the tie up to get the the jump ball that that set up the game-winning shot. You know, when you talk about that well, win a couple of weeks ago against uh, against the Hornets. When Kimba went for 60, I was about to mention the same thing. It wasn't just the game-winning shot. 
it was the block shot before the game yes. winning shot. And the block and the save. Mm-hmm. Those are know what those are. Those winning are, plays, yeah, winning plays, and when you see your best player making plays like that, you have no choice but to fall exact, in line. Exactly, exactly. Now, last week we had talked, especially about, if your best player is the new guy, mm-hmm. you can't let the new guy come in and out work. No, you. no, not at all, not at all. And it's like you see his attitude. You, you see his attitude where it's not. He's he's not just making like you could. You could say, for conversation's sake, that yeah, that game-winning jumper—that's kind of like a me play or whatever. No, like, it's not. No, let, let, let me set it up because okay. I'm not—I'm not, not, right, not necessarily. It. But it's like a game-winning shot. That's what's going to get all the pub. Absolutely. That's what gets that, you know. That's the highlight yeah, play. That's, that's the, sport, I, I, sports yeah, is leading that, off with that shot. That's what I'm talking about—a me play, not necessarily. I'm not calling it a where it draws the attempt, yes. attention to, for me. Yeah, when you're looking at the game, you know when okay. when people talk I, I'm about with you. when people talk about that Nets game, they're going to talk about that game-winning shot. Mm-hmm. But it, it, and so that you know that's the you know that will be the the play that gets all the attention, you know. And, but that's one thing. But when you see your best player making the plays that got you to that point, that's what drives the team. That's what makes it exciting. And for me, last week I had talked about my frustration with this whole Markel Fultz thing, and it's only gotten worse. (laughs) It's only gotten worse. But you made a point last week about patience. Mm -hmm. And it's, to me, even as bad as this whole Fultz thing is. And I'm still at the point where I'm just like, I just want, you know, I do something. If it's, if it's keep him, keep him. But the one thing I will say, mm-hmm. the the addition of Jimmy Butler puts the Sixers in a position where they are now more able to be patient yes. with Markel Fultz. Yes. yes, exactly. That's where I was going with this. That is exactly that is the point that I was going with this, where it's like, okay, you know what, Markel Fultz's trade value is probably as low as it will ever be. Absolutely, absolutely. But the addition of Jimmy Butler, to me, to me, the abis- the addition of Jimmy Butler takes away the direness of takes moving. pressure off. Yeah. you don't have Fultz to- either being needed to be moved right now or yes. all of a sudden needing to wake up tomorrow and be an All Star. Yes. Exactly. It gives you a little more flexibility. Yes. Yes. I completely, completely agree with you. Where it's like, yes, I, for me, I guess at this point, all I just need is for them to, to just verbalize where they're going with this. Whereas like, I don't, yes, you can be patient. And if the plan is to be patient, I'm cool with that. If a move that makes sense from the Sixers' standpoint, where you're not just moving him to move him, I don't need this. Is what we don't need right now is a Ja Okafor for uh, Trevor Booker but type trade. I would say exactly what you just said is the reason why they don't need to verbalize what their plan is. Okay. And stay with me because whether they decide long term that they want to keep faults or trade faults, you you keep the kid in a more comfortable space when you keep it behind the scenes. So in the meantime, before whatever happens is going to happen, we're talking about a kid who apparently hasn't necessarily responded greatly to all the pressure that's been around him. 
we are now in a position where you're able to take the pressure off of them a little bit. The Sixers have been winning, re, re, winning fairly well, a fairly well, good clip li, right, recently since Jimmy Butler has come in. So what you're seeing less of are fans desperate to see great games from Markel Fultz. You just kind of want to see some good stuff during his minutes. I think that's a good thing for Markel where he could stop having to feel like I'm the number one pick to come in and finish the team with these other two great top picks. He gets to just be a guy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see Fultz on the bench this week. You know, one, he wasn't sulking. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was genuinely enjoying being with the team. And I will say, honestly, that's one thing That's one thing I will credit the Sixers organization for throughout all of this, the, all of this, the, the process. Mm-hmm. It's starting with starting with Nerlens. Nerlens was out for his rookie season, but you always saw him on the bench. Joel Embiid for two seasons wasn't playing. Always saw him on the bench. Ben Simmons didn't play. Always saw him on the bench. You know, and and for me, having him around the team, I thought. Was a you know I thought that spoke to this program. Now you don't you don't necessarily always hear people talk or refer to pro teams as programs, but you know the for, Sixers are a program. Yeah, they're right a program now. right now. Yes, yes. It, I think it talks to the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you have talked about on numerous occasions Brett Brown being a player development guy. Absolutely, and I think th- this is part of that player development. You know. Right or wrong, fair or foul, whether players paying out or not, they're part of the culture. Mm-hmm. They buy into the culture. You know, they 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 fell in line for as long as they were here. Most for the most, most part. For the most part. For the, I mean, yeah, they're, Except, you know, you get your jaw or Nerlens right before he leaves, where the guys start yeah. getting frustrated because they yeah. know they're not getting any minutes because yeah. Embiid's starting to play. Yeah. But but for the, what I'm saying is, but but for the most part, the most throughout part, their tenure yeah. in Philly, guys fell in line. Yeah, exactly. And that, for me, that breeds a little bit of positivity and a lot of confidence moving forward because you're seeing this team grow. They're winning games right now, six and two, with Jimmy Butler. Exactly. Six and two. You know now I I want to I now want to see you know. I want to see them get another crack at Boston, another crack at Toronto. You know, the next they're beating teams that they they're beating teams that they should be beating. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're going. You know, they're. I want to see now where this team with Butler, where they now st- stack up against the upper echelon teams. And, and to your point, they're six and two now with Butler, but I wouldn't say they've played many, if any, games against the upper echelon teams of the NBA. But I don't know how good of that an opportunity that would have been to evaluate the Sixers during those first eight games anyway. Having had soon ten games under their belt, it will be the Sixers more becoming more of a cohesive unit and that's what I want to – over the next couple weeks to month, 
is when I want to see the Sixers really start battling these upper echelon teams, your Torontos, your couple of a couple of Western co- Conference opponents, the real tests that'll come in and then give, let you gauge where your team is at this point a little better. And those games will be coming in the next couple weeks. You'll start to see a couple of them happening. Got Toron- they go to Toronto next week. Mm-hmm. Got Toronto next week. Got a home and home with another home and home with an improving Detroit team coming mm-hmm. up. You know, um, still don't have a lot of you know tough. They they play Toronto and Boston again back to back. On not back to back, but back to back games, not back to back days mm-hmm. uh, at the end of December. So, so yeah. over so, the next couple weeks to months, yeah, you'll start to yeah. see a couple of those tougher mm-hmm. games start yeah. to get filtered in. But, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity in between for some get right, you know, and stacking up some wins. A lot of opportunity to stack some wins. You know, they play Washington on Friday, Memphis, then they go to Detroit. Then, uh, excuse me, then they go to Toronto, then the back-to-back with Detroit. Got Brooklyn coming up again, the Pacers coming up again, Cleveland coming up again. They go at Cleveland on a Sunday afternoon. And for me, it's like that's an uh, that's an that's an opportunity to extract some revenge. Mm-hmm. I, that's a game I expect the Sixers to come out motivated for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, then they got uh, then they got San Antonio. They got San Antonio. Teams don't do the Texas Circle as much anymore now. Uh, the, yeah, the whole Texas tour. Yeah, it, the, it used to be a real thing. Yeah, but now with travel being what it is in the NBA, you don't see that quite as much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, it still happens occasionally. The, the Lakers are a team that always seems to do a Texas tour. Yeah. I, I don't get it, but, you know, it is what it is. But, look, we got to get out of here, dude. That time already? It is that time again because, look, when you – I'm part of that whole nucleus that controls phillygoflow.com. Mm-hmm. All right? So I have no problem eating into the next show's time because I program that show too. All right. So if you're listening on phillygoflow.com, I'm sorry that we ate up in pretty much close to an extra hour of early morning 80s. My bad. Oops. But you'll, yeah, sorry. I'll try to do better next week, but I won't. Um, <laughs> it's all good. But look, if you're listening to the podcast, you can always hear this podcast anytime. SoundCloud.com slash B I T W sports. Also, you can get this on iTunes. Just search Breast in the World Sports Report. All right. My name is John Brown. This is my partner, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Tell us what you think. Hit me up anytime at BITW Sports. We will be back next week. Go Birds. Go Sixers. Fire Hackstall. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com.